Hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. I'm here with Jonathan Stockstill. What's up, man? This guy is amazing. He's a friend. He's a pastor from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he's an incredible um, singer, songwriter, musician, everything you name it, and friend. So we're talking about leadership. We're talking about life. Jonathan, tell everyone a little bit of who you are. Well, first of all, man, I think you're awesome, and thanks for having me. Um, so my, a little bit of my backstory is I was raised in church, very similar to you, and uh, just a PK. I slept under pews, played with Legos. I was there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then when I was 12 or 13, I'd been around music, worship so much. I played drums, played bass, played keys it, like church kids do. And uh, so I got recruited for the youth band and so started to do that. Then I started leading worship when my voice changed. And I remember when it was like when it was like 15 and it was changing. And I was like, oh, hey, everybody listen. You know, so <laughs> went through that season. And, uh, and so I became a worship leader and then became a worship pastor and spent. Were you writing songs already at that time as a 15-year-old? I was, yeah. 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 I, so one thing I didn't say is I started when I was four just taking piano lessons and I never stopped. So it was something That's that awesome. I was like really into and. Uh, it was more classical stuff, but then it turned into jazz and then it turned into just improv and worship. And so, so I had that in my arsenal. So I was writing songs. And then when I started singing, it came, it went to the next level. And, and then, uh, at 17, our worship pastor at the church moved on into something else. And my dad had a vacuum and he said, you should fill it. And so I stepped in and I did that for 13 years. Wow. So then after 13 years of doing that, we had written a lot Were of songs. Were you going songs to school during that time too? College? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to LSU and studied jazz some. Wow. And uh, then did some online school, but um, always was there in Baton Rouge serving at the church. Yeah. And so I did that. And then when I was 30, my dad went into back into missions work and I transitioned to senior pastor and we've been doing that the last seven years so wow so it's been me. seven years since you've been the senior yeah. pastor yeah i did not realize that yeah bro because i came um i guess two and a half years that you had already been the pastor now i'm coming up on four years of being the senior pastor this september um which you came four to years. that inauguration yeah you and your father um man time flies dude. it four does years. fly that's crazy that is crazy so, let, I mean, there's so many different avenues we could go down. Seven years of leading the ministry, leading the church. You've had to make big changes. You've had to make, um, I mean, you, you took your father's ministry, which had been before him, a, his father's ministry. There's a lot of legacy there. And so talk about navigating some of those changes, the good, bad, and ugly side of it. If there's a story you want to tell on it of, like, what you did right or wrong. Yeah. Um, or even... If you want to go down a different route of not change, but just carrying the weight of, of the role. Pastor. I can I can tell, you know, whoever the audience is, whoever's listening, that a lead pastor carries a weight that that it's not understandable unless you carry it. And it's every every different position in life has a unique vantage point that you see the world f from. But a senior pastor's weight, you know, Paul said that he carried daily the weight of the the flock yeah and man it's the it's the individuals in the church it's the vision of the church it's the clarity of what we're doing where we're going uh it's the constant communication of sermons weekly weekly from god yeah. sharing it with the church and i know this man just like uh i'm a i'm a t tigers lsu tigers football fan 
And uh, I don't know if that's blasphemy to anybody, but man, the Tigers are huge where we're at. And uh, I was listening to the radio one day driving home. It was after Tigers game and a guy called in. Tigers had lost and he called in. He was like, oh, I can't believe it. he was crying. And he, was, and he started to say, this is what should have happened. The coach should have done this and he should have called this. And he knew everything that the coach should have done. Mm. And I was just thinking to myself, like, yeah. if this guy was on the sideline and he was really calling the shots, like he would not do anything he just said. Yeah. Like he, so there's a, everybody's an armchair quarterback. Everybody yeah. knows what the, the pastor should do. Everybody has an opinion. And I had an opinion. I was a pastor's kid for my whole life and I was a worship pastor. And I was like, man, this is where dad's missing it. This is where, and then when you step into the role you you feel the weight. It's like getting you under realize. a bench. It gets like getting under a bench press, and you can bench like 135, and somebody just put 225 up there, and you're like, yeah. you know, and then they have an opinion about how you should press it. So, yeah, uh, man, I just know this: if you're not a pastor, pray for your pastor. Like, pray for him. That's pray for really God to good. give wisdom. Pray for, and you know what? You should, if you have an opinion, you should. After you say your opinion, you should say, but you know what? I don't know what I'm talking about because the truth is you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but if you are a pastor, you know, I just want to encourage you that you're feeling weight that every other pastor in the world feels. And so yeah. I didn't answer your question, but, uh, you know, my journey into it was I'd never been a communicator. I'd always been a worship leader. And so uh, going from singing and exhorting people to actually teaching on a weekly basis was probably my greatest adjustment as a pastor. Mm -hmm. Just uh, realizing, okay, I just preached like something I prepared for a really long time and it like, okay, it's over. I got to do it again. Yeah. And then I got to do it again and again and again and again. So, um, you know, I, that communication thing was a big adjustment for me. And Bethany, yeah. our home church is, is a world-class church. It's just yeah. an amazing church. The people are amazing. They were so supportive. And uh, I had a guy tell me, he's like, man, your first year of pastoring, they're going to stay there because they believe in your dad's uh, choosing of you to, to be the successor. If they stay the second year, it's because they love your dad. If they, if they stay the third year, it's because uh, it's because they trust your dad. And then after that, you're on your own. And so I don't know if I'm saying it exactly <laughs> right, but it was true. I had so many people that stuck around and I felt like I had some bad sermons, I had some bad leadership decisions, but I had some really, really great people that just stuck stuck with it. And now Bethany's doing better than it's ever done. God's blessing us, we're expanding, we're growing, we're seeing uh, new campuses started, new churches started, so God's doing awesome Come things, on, man. man, where are you guys at campus-wise? I know last time we talked, you were launching like, this was three, four years ago, you were launching one or two then, now how many campuses are there? So right now we have six campuses. Wow. And uh, we're just we've just purchased the building to launch our seventh. That's and, amazing, uh, bro. They're all doing so good, and th that's the only reason why we're adding more is because they're doing well. So come on, man. Um, it's awesome, man. It's awesome to see what God's doing worldwide with that. It just seems like um, there have been several churches that have spearheaded that type of a vision and movement. And yeah. of course, technology has made it possible for us to do it. Yeah. But it's really a church a church planting. Uh, movement that's amazing because we're seeing new churches started but we're also seeing churches that have growth be able to expand with future vision and yeah. and so now do they do the satellite message from you every sunday well we have a unique all of our campus pastors are our communicators and okay. can communicate uh, a typical sunday would be a live feed from our main uh, sending campus but all of them can preach and do preach frequently 
So uh, it's kind of a combination. And you just kind of decide certain weeks, like, hey, I want you guys to speak this week. or So interestingly, like this, this past weekend, uh, one of our campus pastors preached on a Saturday night service, and he, had, he loved the message that he preached. He felt like it went really well. So he texted me and said, hey, do you mind if I speak at my campus tomorrow? And I said, no problem. So I broadcasted to five campuses, and he spoke his own, his own campus. So That's there's awesome. freedom, there's flexibility there, uh, but a lot of it comes down to the communicator if I really trust them. And, and yeah, that's a lot of trust word. on your end, too. Yeah, yeah. But I spend a lot of time with our pastors. We're really close. They're gifted guys. And so. So on the leadership side, on the trust side and, you know, growth obviously is a um, sign of health. You know, health produces growth. Underneath that health is the healthiness of relationships with these six different campus pastors how much time are you spending pouring into them? And what would you say to maybe leaders that are watching today or listening that are saying, man, I want to grow. I want to grow in how I lead others. How do you lead those, those guys that are then multiplying the growth of the ministry? What yeah. are some, you know, what are That's a few great. things? That's a great question. So here's a thought, and I don't know if this is a quotable thought, but it's definitely something that people should hear. Whoever has the most clarity in the room is the leader. Mm, that's a good good thought regardless if they have the title or not wow whoever has the most clarity is the leader and you mean clarity on clarity not just on their role but clarity on everyone's roles it's it really more is about clarity of vision like this clarity is of where we're headed. this is where we're going and this is what we like this is what we don't like this is culture that we like if 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 the leader with the title is being told what the clarity is, then he's really not the leader. Somebody else is steering it. And so that position of leadership, you have to really pray and process and think, what does God uniquely call this ministry to be? And I'm going to be the chief communicator of clarity. This is where mm -hmm. we're going. This is what we're doing. So I feel like I have those type conversations with our guys all the time and um, just clarity. And also, I believe strongly in positive accountability. Yeah. There's a negative accountability that's like that's that deflates people and it's 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 You're oppressive. Not doing your job. Right. But then there's a positive accountability that's like a football team that's kind of like, man, you dropped the ball. Come on. You know, and it's like this this team mentality. And like, our, I believe in you. Come yeah, on, dude. you can do better than that. Yeah. yeah. Our team has that, man. And it's it's that's uh, good. And it this is what happens. We we have a weekly report that's uh I'll, I'll mix it up. Some weeks I ask questions that I don't ask the week before, but all of our pastors, uh, we have 24 uh, full-time pastors that are working as campus pastors and as student pastors and uh, that worship pastors, and they all fill out this accountability form. That it, it, questions like this. Um, did you read the Word this week? Did you spend time in prayer? Did you take your wife on a date? Um, how many leaders were you able to spend time with? Um, Those are great questions yeah. to be asking your team. So and then we'll ask them: Are you are you being tempted by anything? Mm. Or um, are are you are you f passionate about the thing that's in front of you? And so, man, every and then week they turn it into you. Or yeah, you yeah, I get it. I get it. Everyone. I get it directly, and and obviously they can talk about it with others, but they know that I'm seeing it. And so, yeah. uh, just something about that, like they know that I care. It like, man, our team is so on fire. They're so passionate. They're pumped up. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of clarity. And I think a lot of church staff, sometimes it can be loose and, and it can kind of be just in coast mode. But the only way to get into like 
like um, movement movement is to have that strong rhythm that strong passion with a, a bunch of passionate people yeah if, if you're not passionate around us you're at the wrong church yeah you know go good. somewhere you where you can coast but this is not a coasting church yeah we're, we're not coasting we're really because people are dying and going into eternity so we care you know so so um, you do a weekly meeting with those 24 pastors yeah and then you have another weekly meeting with like a core group of your administrative leaders right or the guys like the five or six that would executive help team oversee yeah executive team right now my current rhythm it's more individual meetings with my executives instead of okay. a, a team meeting and we do team meetings frequently but uh it's on a weekly basis i'm spending individual time with, diff with, with different ones guys. and our our church corporate model is we have six major areas of our church and each one of those six have teams that are staff teams and sometimes i will meet with all six of those in a week so i'll meet with our entire creative department and i'll give them a, a devotional word give them vision ask if i open it up for questions it gives me a real uh close proximity mm -hmm. to the to the to the ministry and it's I'm, I'm i'm not micromanaging but i'm available so yeah uh that's that's kind of how i, I, love I lead it. i yeah. love it um, as we get ready to end, I want to give you a chance to maybe share something even just from your heart to people that are listening today on the podcast, watching, that could be leading in a variety of ways. That could be leading in a church, could be leading in a business, or could be uh, in college studying to step into a role of leadership. And if you'd like to maybe just share something from your heart for any of these people, a lot of our listeners um, are, are definitely in a similar season of uh, transition, I think that you've walked through, that I've walked through. A lot of people that I talk to have either transitioned into a role where the person that was before them was 20 years older than them, so they're stepping into big shoes, they're carrying loads, responsibilities, or they're preparing to. Well, I could talk to myself 10 years ago. That's, I mean, I'll talk to the person that I was 10 years ago, because oftentimes I think, man, if my 37-year-old self could talk to my 27-year-old self, what would I tell me? Yeah. And this is what I would tell me. If you're, if you're a, a youth pastor, a worship pastor, an associate pastor, and you ever aspire to start a church or take over as a lead pastor, um, I would encourage you. Here's my first encouragement is to preach as much as you possibly can to as many people as you possibly can preach at every small group preach at every uh, student event every high school club just just get comfortable communicating because in a leadership position effective communication is so important to lead mm -hmm. and so get as many reps as you possibly can that is allowed to you uh, another thing that I would tell my 27 year old self is invest in my inheritance because uh, a lot of guys criticize what's gone before them and they don't ever think that, man, what's coming, this is being passed down to you. I would tell my 27-year-old self to ask my dad, who was my uh, predecessor, like, what, is, what is in your heart? What dream do you have? How can I help you charge the mountain? What That's can I good. help you? Because uh, instead of just sitting on the side and being a, a, an armchair quarterback, like get in the game as full as you can and like throw yourself behind the vision that's there and try to make, uh, even if they're the older generation, make their dreams a reality. That's good. There's not one single older leader that doesn't desire a young church or doesn't desire an, a progressive church or doesn't. And if yeah. you're a young leader, 
then make those dreams a reality. And what you're doing is investing in your inheritance. So there's just a couple things. I love that. Hey, another another thing I want to ask you. What's the fi- what's your most favorite song you've ever written? Favorite song I've ever written? Well, you were just singing I Want to Be Used by You, so it's in my head. But, I love um, that song. You know, if I were to get on the piano and sing, I probably would just, I like the, I, I just wrote a song called Your Voice. And uh, it I, I enjoy to just, I enjoy playing it and singing it. And it's it's not my most popular song, but it just feels good. So, so it's currently your favorite? Probably, yeah. Okay, all yeah. right. Um, you wrote a song last year from what you and your wife walked through with miscarriage. Yeah. Would you be open to sharing a little bit yeah. on that? So, yeah, we had three kids, and my wife was pregnant with our fourth, and uh, she was 32 weeks into the pregnancy. And I remember I came home from a volunteer banquet, and we had just met with all of our volunteers, and she just said I hadn't felt the baby kicking. And we just said, well, we go drink some juice and to get some sugar and see if it kicks. Well, it didn't kick, and, and uh, so I just, that night, we felt like something might be wrong. So the next day she went to the hospital. I stayed home with the kids and she called me and she couldn't breathe. She was crying so hard. And it was just one of those, the most sinking, um, I don't know how, the most disappointing emotion. And so we went and she went through a whole delivery. uh, Mm. Just, you know, we had a stillborn. So Mm. I, you know, I'm a person of faith. I fight to the end, and I believe in faith. There are a lot of faithless people, and they just accept defeat. For me, I believe we should ask God for big things. We should contend. Yeah. And I just said, you know what? When this child's born, I'm going to pray for God to raise it. And when when he was born, I just had nothing to pray. I just, mm-hmm. you know, you, and so uh, it was definitely a definitive moment in my life because it's like, God, why wouldn't you? raise this kid from the dead or why would you so it was one of those you know just those faith hurdles where you're just like man will I trust God will I believe God and so uh two days later this is the ironic thing um we had to have a coroner come in and um give a certificate of death and I don't know why in the world at that age they make you do it so it's like you know, not to get into a touchy subject, but on one end of the spectrum, they're throwing babies into garbage dumpsters, and a baby that's same age is we're having to plan a funeral for it. Mm-hmm. So we planned a funeral for it, and but two days uh, into after that happened, I felt like God gave me a song that just expressed how I felt, and I wrote it and I recorded it, and man, the whole day I was recording it, it I was so emotional. I just felt like God was healing me, you know, wow. and so I. I recorded the song, and you can watch the video. Uh, it's powerful. I wept, right, performing it. And uh, after it was over, though, it was just such a it, healing for me. And I just prayed God could use it to help other people. So that's kind of the song story. Man, it did. It ministered to Ash and I because we walked through a miscarriage last year. And, uh, and God, you know, really did some healing in our hearts. And then we ended up getting pregnant and just having our, our third child. And... Uh, but when that song came out, like Ash and I, we were just crying, listening to it. We shared it with other friends. We knew that it had miscarriages. Just impacted wow. so many people. Wow. But Jonathan, you're an incredible leader. You're doing an awesome job. Your church is blowing up. It's multiplying your ministry, your music. And uh, we're honored that you're here in Tulsa speaking at our church. 
And for those of you that are listening to this podcast, watching, you can find more of Jonathan's messages, his ministry on what website can they go to? Bethany.com. Bethany.com. That's the name of the church, Bethany Church. So Bethany.com, you'll find more sermons there, more songs, and more of the ministry that you heard tonight. All right. God bless you, and thanks for listening to the podcast.